Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. In town, LA's own Silver Sun pickups on breaking out in the aughts, blowing up big in the teens, and the soul and experience they're taking into the 2020s. I can't believe I'm saying it. It's the 2020s. Whoa. <laughs> I've been waiting. 1920s. <laughs> I've been waiting 20s. for this session all year long. So do stay with us. What about last year? <laughs> Full disclosure airs on NPR member station VPM News, using the power of media to educate entertain and inspire enjoy the show on npr.org and on itunes at link joining me from rainmaker studios in downtown rva this is such a blast silver sun pickups founded in 2000 having registered 10 top 20 hits on billboard's alternative songs chart and a million records sold in america silver sun's fifth studio album widow's weeds is now out uh, in studio with me brian aubert joe yeah. lester chris guan lao and nikki moninger thank you thank you thank you you say my name with such bravado <laughs> i'm just so i like I'm, it i, I like can't the way believe you say that it. i'm having you here where i recorded my first show oh. uh, five years ago and i did admit on Line and we're going to share a lot of things today that I do have a bit of imposter syndrome. No. You know, suburban dad bod like me having one of my favorite acts <laughs> on here look from LA, but, You look pretty incredible. Um, thank you for <clears throat> schlepping out here ahead of your big show five at the years, National huh? tonight. Five years, indeed. How do you feel? Um, five years. You guys are talking 20 years. Well, you I know, mean, I want 20. you to... Well, I, Time is a flat circle. That's true. Nikki, take me back. This legendary <laughs> rock crash pad in Silver Lake and uh, the story of the 50-cent microwave burritos from Silver Lake Liquors. I mean, this was a time of, uh, you know, living on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brian and I uh, were living in a house together. And... Um, after a couple of years, uh, we had been playing in other bands, and we said, "Let's let's start our own band." And now yeah. here we are, twenty years later. <laughs> the, other, the, the ancillary legend is that you met on a flight back from studying abroad, oh, and you were both right. trying to crib crib uh, alcohol from the drink cart. She likes to avoid that story. <laughs> now that you're a mom, she's, you don't want the kids. Yeah, she's trying kids now, so she rewrite his. I mean, not like you were binge drinking, Nikki. It's just that you yeah. were you were definitely. You met on a flight. You're doing we some uh, canoeing, stealing alcohol. She was. Stealing alcohol from the cart. Well, I think, because um, going over there, I think. Who'd have thought eight. that that one yeah. moment when you did that would <laughs> be brought out? Yeah. Uh, but I think because it was an international flight, I mean, technically I was under 21, but. And you were doing it on international waters. If I waters, had been so. on international. Yeah, so it was okay, but. This little hand, I just see this little hand come out. And just take things from the. So you guys resolved to get this house in Silver Lake that was uh, infamous for hosting people. You would always have shows in your living room? Ooh, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine doing that now. It's exhausting. Uh, it was exhausting. <laughs> Got to a point where we stopped doing that because we were touring and and um gone a lot and we kind of shut down that that thing in our house and that it we couldn't shut it down like people would just start coming they would show up anyways <laughs> on, on fourth holidays. of july we would always of have july, a party on fourth of july fourth of july halloween was a big one like people just come to our house decked out and we went we're not having a party <laughs> <laughs> please please go home and then when it became we, we we just sort of our house was a venue and back then in silver lake <clears throat> You could do that, and now the you know, the cops would come for sure. But we could have bands perform, and it was really fun and a very communal experience. And then we started to get in trouble from clubs around town. And we're, we just thought it's not we're not in we're just having our friends from England come and play, and yeah. their shows sold out over there. Don't get mad. And then we started getting touring things coming, and that's when my brain 
couldn't handle it anymore because when somebody was ordering me yeah. around like a like you a became sound the guy. sound guy yeah <laughs> I remember one guy in particular I won't name the van but he was just like excuse me put this on turn this on and I went buddy this is our house <laughs> so when, when did this congeal into an entity and tell me about the name because there are a lot of misconceptions about the name it's a guitar pickup mm-hmm. I mean it does go uh-huh. back to the liquor store mm-hmm. you weren't sure. exactly always getting hooch from the liquor store no. it was about the bare What's essentials hooch? pretty much Alcohol. Oh, alcohol. Yeah. Hooch. Do you not know what hooch was? <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. I've never heard that I mean, word. Even if you heard it here first, just... live on the radio, that yeah. Nikki can learned something. Can we say hooch on the air? You can say it. You yeah, can just sure. assume. Hooch. This is full disclosure. So when when <laughs> what did you think hooch was? Um, pot maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What so did the kids say? Well, yeah. When did it when did it solidify? When did it kind of congeal into it? And and the band's name and you guys deciding to go out and strike out on your own. We had the band name pretty early on. Um, in my brain, it just sort of um, was something that represented the time and place of the neighborhood, you know? And we lived right there, pretty close to Silver Lake and Sunset Boulevard. And I remember thinking of bands like Beachwood Sparks and bands that would name themselves after locations. And that location seemed, seemed very important for us at the time, really later would be much more important once we started playing shows and how communal that was for us. Mm. And so that's sort of how we thought of it, really. It sounded like a little, little like, bike gang. <laughs> you know? Silver Sun Pickups. Yeah, I just it thought, like, oh, like the pickups are here. Once the name was set, then I was like, okay, now we can practice. Well, yeah, but we now we should name. start a band. <laughs> we had a band name before anything. Can you tell me how Paykel came together, your oh, debut boy. EP? I mean, there is a poignant, there's a poignant backstory to it. I loved it. And to give mm, you, you know, thanks. by way of full disclosure, I heard my first um, track. I was in uh, uh, North Miami's Steve's Pizza, which is a venerable pizza joint on Biscayne Boulevard. And they always play great music. They probably played there. <laughs> <laughs> Lazy Eye comes on. Oh, yeah. And which was like my gateway drug to Silver yeah. Sun Pickups. And I remember this is before the iPhone or anything. So I had to go home and Google the lyrics and mm-hmm. I discovered Silver Sun Pickups. And then subsequent to that, um, you know, everything else with Rusted Wheel and a, a song that I, you know, I cannot put down I think it's on my most played of of every year is Kissing Families Mm. and so I want to know the backstory to Paykel I want to know um, the name the person what he meant to you and and how that thing came together well I can kind of go into uh, how the EP came about and Nikki you could probably speak more about Paykel but um, really we were just trying to be a good band and so we were just concentrating on performing live all the time. And because we played shows so early before we were really, um, <laughs> before we were solidified in any way, before our sonic identity was a little more clear, we were playing, trying out things in front of people. So we were really just thinking about that. And it, that went on to you know, a couple of years and we were playing all these great shows and it didn't really occur to us to record or any of that stuff, you know? Mm. And then when it came time to start doing those things, um, the way we would work was to just sort of work with people that we liked and didn't think about what it, you know, major labels or any of that sort of stuff. It was just like we we didn't we kind of really didn't believe that this is something you could really do. So we all we could do was make sure that we were really happy with what it is we were doing and the people we worked with um, that we really liked them so we ended up having a very tight knit world 
and the people Dangerbird in Los Angeles who we started working with wanted to put out something really quickly <coughs> that for them represented a lot of what was going on the last couple of years in Los Angeles before we make an album. Mm. So we were just going to do do this thing really really quick. Some of it old recordings that we've had over the years. And then a couple new ones with our friend Rob. And that dropped in 05, 06? Yeah. And so we separated the songs that we had into what would be on the CP and then what would go on the the next the actual album. And then we'd write for that album. And so once we separated those songs and wrote some new ones for Paykel, it was just going to come out <clears throat> and we were going to record our record. But because of stations like KEXP in Seattle sure. and things like that, it caught... Kissing Families caught wind, and we ended up touring heavily in a way that we never had before on the EP. And so we were just like, while Whoa. recording, while recording, while recording, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that stretched out that recording for that record. So there was about a good year and a half where we were on tour for the EP, and then coming back and making what would eventually become our first record, Carnivus. And that's how that. EP really came about, you know? Before we get to that, I And then Paykel, yeah. you can say what yeah. that is. <laughs> yeah, um, Paykel was the nickname of a very good friend of ours um, named Doug Kratz, and um, he had passed away in an airline crash with uh, Aaliyah, um, and he, he meant the world to us. He came to probably every one of our shows for years um, up until that point, and we just wanted to honor him. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah, that Pykel was a nickname he had given himself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he nicknamed himself after uh, Jude Law's character in the movie Existence, <laughs> and he just because I mean, he had a crush on him, so he just decided, "I'm Pykel now." And, he, and I think we all had a crush on him. Well, he's such so. a Doug was such a massive figure to our group of friends. You know, a really yeah. a, a big presence before he even passed yeah. away. And then a larger presence when he passed away. But. Was that song and an elegy, Kissing Families? When you say soon you'll be there. I, I always no. wonder, oh, you never get a chance to ask. Yeah. Mm -mm. I remember that just came up when we were on our porch one day having a party. Yeah. And I was I, like, I think that would go really well right there. Yeah, I think I ran out of my room from my task cam. I said, Nikki, you want to sing this one little part? Uh-huh. It came very naturally. Thought, you know, it, it's, it would be... Right from day one, I thought it's just going to be far more interesting of a band to have your your presence in it right away. Yeah, you know. So um, I'm curious when you step back from all this. I imagine all of you had iPods to start mm. the decade, and we're talking about the. I was late yeah. in the iPod game. I mean, this has been an ongoing theme with our with our music. I still guests use my iPod <laughs> on this show, <laughs> but the the era the seventeen dollars CD was waning very quickly. So it's a very different thing when your album drops. You're now it kind of in Steve Jobs iTunes world, mm -hmm. and you're are, are you gigging for the ninety nine cent track? I mean, where was your mind in oh six oh seven oh eight? Is it about Records is it about CD sales at that point? I mean, this is even before the iPhone and Spotify. I mean, honestly, and it was hard like... to wrap our minds around that. That, and still is, a hard thing to think of when we're so uh, staring at just tr again, still trying to make great records and be proud of what we're doing. Yeah, and all those things are are so for us difficult things to grasp. Well, like it's always been difficult for us to grasp that it's a product. You know, and it goes out, and there's this and that, and it's something that we can't 
think of really because we don't know what that information would do to how what we would do with it you know would we alter something could we alter something no so I mean, we, honestly I think we were just touring in, in like vinyl world like we're just trying to make an album like i don't think we ever think of 99 cent apple we didn't know, know what we didn't honestly know how people were getting it and especially then we would hear from bands who were making records before us and when we started in this world which was very wild west like music was coming from all over the place we heard a lot of complaints from those bands because they saw it really shift and what they sort of relied on was changing and we were birthed in this world so we didn't quite yeah, like relate. The, our our first records started, came out like really at like the like inflection point of when it all sort of flipped over which <clears throat> you, we, I think we I, only, we I anyway only kind of realized sort of in hindsight it was just like oh like everything was a mess like people inside the record industry didn't know what was going uh-huh. on or how to, yeah. how to like how music was going to get distributed so Danger Birds or, took a flyer on you though did they cut in advance I know this is kind of boring no, quotidian no. stuff but we're talking to how that then shifts to the presence and your ownership of your label now uh-huh. but how did that work I mean with your expectations going into it that I mean maybe we don't have to subsist on 50 cent burritos from Silver Sun Liquors anymore I don't think it was a necessarily financial decision because I think we uh, and I truly just didn't believe in it like Mm -hmm. that you know Um, at one point we felt successful when it didn't cost us to play shows in LA you know what I mean (laughs) you had to pay pay to play I mean it, it, Play to pay. It, it didn't. We didn't make money from it, but it didn't cost us. It probably did though. Time. Yeah. I mean, I remember we were. I think Silver Lake Lounge, which is one of the places we played all the time. We had done like five shows and hadn't gotten paid. So I kept asking, you know, our friend Scott, who ran, who ran, um, ran things over there, and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to pay you. He gave me an envelope and it had seventy dollars in it for five shows. So. I mean, we weren't doing it for the money. <laughs> so what did you do to pay the rent? What did you do on the side to gig? I mean, um, this is pre-Uber, pre-gig economy, but it, to a certain extent, uh, musicians have always been part of the gig economy. Yeah. I mean, I worked at a, a Warner Brothers Records in the music video department, which is actually where I met, or where I worked there with um, Doug, our friend. Mm. So, um, uh, But I just had a regular job, so we would practice, you know, at around seven at night, you know, all the time, and or you know, I'd run home and then we would play the shows. But I wasn't thinking in my mind that it would be something that we could actually do for a living. I mean, that would be like a dream, but it wasn't. You know, I'm also like based in reality. You know, we need to. <laughs> and I think so it was a surprise to all of us. It was it nice though because I, yeah, I worked with people, you know, in the music business, so they were understanding. Like they would let me go on tour for two weeks and keep my job, so I could do things, you know, on the road, which was great. And that you really held helped. on to that job. I held on to that job. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> finally, we in 2007, I was working tours. at Rhino Entertainment, which is box sets for yeah, yeah. You know, tons of things, and um. They, they they took me in the office and they're like, we feel really bad, but you haven't been here for like eight weeks. <laughs> and we're going to have to let you go. And I was like, it's okay because you I, have not been, I haven't been here for eight weeks. So they're like, we just really want you to have insurance. And it was just nice that they were so supportive. Can you and, talk about the ramp up to Carnivas? That was the second CD that hit? It was the same thing. So we were basically, it felt like one long tour. Mm. And... I mean, it was, <laughs> things were going in a way that were crazy, and we just kept 
head down playing and it was all about the show you know and there was another one and another one and another one and another one and it kept going so like we would tour for the EP and record the Carnivus and then we toured more for the EP Carnivus came out and then that just turned into a Carnivus tour mm. and then we just kept playing and playing and playing and at one point we're, we it's, thought I hope we're making a living because we literally are gone yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have no yeah. time Sometimes we would have like two versions of a song <coughs> because right. like we would know our the live version of it but then the recording is different you know uh, yeah. the, the arrangement is different and so we're like wait which one do we, we do? Yeah. We, we, we gotta yeah. do the live one. Yes. <laughs> we gotta yeah. do the live one. Because we're not <clears> ready. Because yeah. we're not ready. Because of the sep- when we separated all the old songs that we had that we were performing live for a while and the, like stuff on Pica was a little bit more what what um things were like mm. you know and because the EP was doing things that we were amazed at that people heard it we changed Carnivus to have a sort of different sound because we always like albums to have their own vibe sure you know and Pykel was known enough for us to kind of jump off of it really the criticism was that iTunes was slowly killing the album the the beginning to end listen that a lot of people were just cherry picking the 99 cent track I mean in that in your case possible I mean I don't know well at the same time it gets it out to more people but the people that really understand us will go and listen to the whole album because that's how you know we've set it up but I mean we're appreciative if people want to listen to any song, yeah, so I really it's want to like do it. Whatever, really opened us up to the you know world by having by mm-hmm. having things like that. And, and you know, like in the beginning, we didn't have a website, so when something like MySpace came out and we could put our songs, you know, on the internet, that just opened up another step for us because, you know, we've always <clears throat> been so busy just making music and playing that we're not thinking of the marketing of ourselves. Yeah, because so. the way people access music for us is every time we come out of the record, this we hear about this is the way this is the new sure. way to do it and then I'm like okay and then in our heads we go and then when we come out with another record you're going to tell me something, something else, else. And I just, it's, a, yeah. it's a new thing what's your TikTok strategy yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> whatever I mean however you get it you know if you care to get it and however you get it go for it Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. We are honored to be in studio oh, here, downtown so RVA, cute. with one of my favorite acts. I'm going to wear it on my sleeve, people. Oh, uh, so Silver sweet. Sun Pickups here from Los Angeles. They've been at it for uh, nearly 20 years. I can't believe we're actually going into the 2020s, and you're out with your fifth album. The Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. Yeah. Um, I want to... Uh, get your I've, flapper outfit on. Get it out. Yeah, do the Charleston. Speakeasy. Prohibition's um, coming. So the, the lessons learned in all this, in that time, so we're going, you're, you're touring very heavily. You're a known quantity. I mean, your KEXP stuff is beautiful. You've been very good about going out and performing. What is that one act I saw? Was it at a Seattle liquor store or record store? Oh, oh. wow. I mean, I couldn't yeah. even get my head around the acoustics of it, but it was oh, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I think that was a KEXP daughter that was thing. A fun thing. That, it, that, was, that was a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Now it's been, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And I remember thinking, wow, everyone's getting drunk at three o'clock <laughs> <laughs> but I mean really we're doing things like that a lot all the time but that one was just captured really well and it was a that was a fun day that, mm-hmm. what does that mean in the grand scheme of things you talked about uh, MySpace clearly Facebook started taking over the world you know uh-huh. a decade ago and everything what does it mean to put up something like Facebook Live is it a waste of time is that true engagement where you feel more Ooh, connected with you're your talking fans to the wrong people yeah, yeah it's really if someone does it for us then we're happy it's yeah. being done we're not <laughs> Like we got to do this. Well, you're really but. slumming it by coming on my show. <laughs> <laughs> this is a low point for you. No, I mean, not at all. 
I mean, that, I didn't even does know. That, I mean, it sounds mercenary. Does that move the needle? Or do you do that for the sake of connecting with people? You're big in Seattle. You like guys are off to there's Oregon. There's a lot of people that have, the, you know, when they try to intellectualize what moves a needle. Like when we did Letterman for the first time, people thought, did that move the needle? Or did this move the needle? And we honestly can't tell you because yeah. we don't know. I mean, it's, it's sort of and I don't see a mixture of everything. Other people can tell either. They can pretend they, they know what's, do, what's happening, but I don't know that they have any real metric for you know deciding whether something is actually moving things one way or the other like we've kind of just relied on the old fashioned stuff like touring and mm-hmm. like getting out in front of people and like if you know these digital things get brought up we almost yeah. never say no to them we don't <laughs> say no but, but I, we're not relying on anything like yeah, that yeah. We, yeah, yeah Joe said it pretty well but I feel you I know, feel like a lot of people try I mean and, and I understand like people are really trying to add equations to things because it's trying to control the uncontrollable you know but I want to be a patron of Silver Sun Pickups uh-huh. and I should I feel guilty when I now go fast forward Spotify you do your and, thing and stream your stuff ad infinitum get a lot of joy uh-huh. out of it when I'm driving I mean dream at Tempo 119 across the entire wow. canon of, uh-huh. of, of Silver Sun <laughs> I, I know your stuff and, and geek fanboy around it all the time should there be another way where and I'm saying this as a journalist where mm. the, uh, the magazine has been disrupted it's very much every man for himself should there be another way for you to connect with your fans to be you know where we have patrons of the art with the symphony with the ballet mm-hmm. that I don't know does it boil down to a Silver Sun app where people are getting advanced <laughs> releases or special maybe you should you work pitching? for us yeah this is why we collect the detour see your mock-ups well we're nominally a, a business show and I'm a huge right. music totally. fan too and I love the I love the intersection of these mm-hmm. two and I love to right. I wonder if you guys are on a bus I mean I understand you slept on a bus last yeah. night yeah, we're you had a quick breakfast came in or you got to jet out of here and go to the east coast of Virginia do these do these conversations ever happen? Like huh. what else can we do? We're gigging, we're hustling. They probably happen without us. Without the us there, with our management and all that stuff, and then we get the we get the gist of whatever that dialogue was, <clears throat> and then we yeah. There's like a sort of digital brain trust mm-hmm. in our management company who clearly we can't be in charge. Yeah, of yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Half the time when they explain it to us, we're just like, "What are you talking yeah. about?" Yeah. But, uh, like, I mean, I think everybody is sort of scrambling to find the answer to that question. Like, there's you know. How many apps or various ways to, you know, like new forms of like reaching out to fans and like trying to get to them directly? Like it's a it's a big question. I mean, it's you know it's, the entire industry yeah. got completely blindsided, over, like turned over. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it just seems like every album cycle for us, things yeah come and go, and it's just like ah uh, okay they're not doing that anymore. Yeah, I mean, we're seen, just concentrating on like our playing music. We've and seen full buildings, doing, full yeah. of people. <laughs> yeah, rise and, and fall. it seems yeah. like there's like a lot of gluttonous waste and you're like ah oh, how did they build such a why are they in such a big building with all this like free stuff uh, wait. and then we go are we doing and that again this time the and they go that's year. gone it's yeah. been gone for two years and right go, oh. it just feels like everyone's you can't even specify go. brown M&M's or anything in the right <laughs> well we don't want to be wasteful why would we do that no we don't tra- yeah we don't, we've never oh. traveled large did a big label and I don't know what it's worth after the various disruption I don't know Warner Sony EMI Electra did they try to belatedly come after you and do they have any leverage at this point saying we'd love to sign you does their distribution matter anymore I think by the time when we were looking for things uh, we were too uh, maybe too strange (laughs) like we'd meet people and they would say you got something maybe we can you know work with it and we were already out well the nice thing about no thank you like we we don't want to 
we I don't think we would be served well in a big committee and I don't you know I don't think it would help us or I don't think we'd help them hmm. <clears throat> The nice thing is that we, with Danger Bird and now with New Machine, we've never been told what to do. It's just no. like, they just want to know, oh, you're still in the studio? Okay, cool. You know, because they know that we're going to do the best album that we can and that we work really hard and that, you know, Which you can't change Which can be hard for people, us, I yeah. think, sometimes, because it is just like, wow. well, how is this happening? We go, we don't know. You don't know either. <laughs> well, tell me about New Machine. I mean, it's your own imprimatur. It's your own press uh, what's mm-hmm. involved in that? Like this is true, like Declaration of Independence. You're grateful to Danger Bird. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. gone off. I'm sure you've you've been uh, courted it's, by various it's labels. It's very similar to Danger Bird, really, because it's because it's a t- our management has a team of people that we've worked with with Danger Bird. Because Danger Bird was so small, th- our our sort of team of people that do stuff like radio and promotions and publicity all came out of Q Prime, and so well, yeah, when our contract was up it just felt that was proposed to us to maybe you guys should just do it here you're each part owners of this new label Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it just seemed like the natural progression yeah it it was partly one of our managers uh cliff was uh he basically like the way that the sort of label system works now is essentially broken so there's no reason to tie yourself to a company that not like because we the one other thing that uh, we got in sort of right before was the idea of like the 360 deals where like if an artist signs with a major label very often they the label will get a cut of their publishing a cut of their merch a cut of their tours uh, monies and everything else which didn't used to happen but because the sort of economy collapsed on itself they were like you get locked into this other stuff and we still owned our publishing and we still you know, had our own, like, we're in charge of our own merch and tour money, so he was like, it's be- the freer you are, the better. Like, so it's, it's mm-hmm. setting, if you set up your own label, you'll have control of your masters. Like, it's just, you know, it's better to be small and agile and... Yeah, we might be know. the only band that's basically almost recouped every album. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't cost much, you know? And we've Stay lean. kept it pretty lean, and, and that was sort of something that we thought about then because we would see a lot of in LA you know mm-hmm. a lot of bands very excited about something while we would look at them and go oof that's, you know that doesn't look good <laughs> so as owners now of your own creative uh, you know self-determination and publishing and whatnot, what's your relationship with the platforms we hear about this a lot this is a world of platforms Spotify Apple mm-hmm. Music Amazon to a lesser extent maybe Facebook and uh, some of the other players. I mean, you're not, you know, back in my day, I would get very excited and go buy a cassette or a mm-hmm. CD from Peaches or Camelot Music in the mall. The mall has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what is the distribution network that you're feeding into? I mean, it's, you know, it's primarily digital and primarily. Um, there is the sort of niche market for vinyl, which always makes us happy. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it, it still, I mean, I guess we're all old enough that like physical manifestations of the stuff we make is like ple- just pleasing um but yeah i mean it's you know it's it is what it is there's no putting the like sort of genie back in the bottle it's more yeah, it definitely it doesn't feel very artist friendly all the digital not, platforms sure you know yeah. So. yeah that's over that's a concern you Really yeah, and that hasn't been fully answered yet. But. So the first music show we did was with with David Lowry of Cracker. 
and oh, Camper wow. Van Beethoven. Yeah, and this got, is a guy, he's, he's the torchbearer right here, yeah. right, standing right here. <laughs> oh, awesome. And his, you know, we almost called that show Rock and Troll. And his solution to this is he'll do shows and he'll burn his own CDs with wow. the info and he'll hand color them and everything. Right. It seems a bit obnoxious to force your fans yeah. to find a CD burner, but there are people who are opting in. You talk yeah, about, you know, putting the, the genie back in the bottle. Maybe you can. Maybe there are ways of pressing music that the streamers can't get their mitts on. I'm sure that there are people trying to come up with ideas to make it more equitable I think I, you know I don't you're still talking about niche things yeah. like that you're still talking about you know, we're talking about vinyl and doing that that's fun and we're doing a special like a tour vinyl for our next tour so so you're playing the national tonight and mm-hmm. if you were to have alongside the merch you know the stickers and the t-shirts and everything a special cut vinyl mm-hmm. of tracks that are you even allowed under your publishing terms I know this gets into Arcana no we're you're allowed, allowed to do whatever you want at this we point we do whatever we want yeah, because yeah. we still own our publishing we own all of our publishing yeah. From even Danger Bird. Isn't that a fan-friendly, artist-friendly alternative? I mean... I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it's a, it's all incredibly common. If we had to think of all this stuff, I mean, we wouldn't be making music. So <laughs> yeah. it's really yeah. tough to, you're saying also, all these I feel words like we get, that are... We've always been know. a little wary of squeezing people. You know, yeah. We thought, wow. I mean, you listen to the album already, and you come to the show. It, it's not in our never sure. been in our mindset to go. What else can we get from you? Yeah. <laughs> like, then we I wasn't f- trying to be. No, 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 I'm trying national, to think. We we hear from fans a lot. How can I do instinct. more to support these bands? I feel guilt. I feel like I'm stealing. Who was it? Well, then um, they yeah. should buy. Pharrell an album. said two billion streams of Happy got him. Right. You know, twenty thousand dollars. It doesn't move right. anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they buy an album, how do you buy an album now? Um, yeah, that's a that's a meaning of life a question. Local, a local store. record store, store and, and go for yeah. help support them before they, they you know uh, been shut down. Like Brian and I just <laughs> yeah. played that's... yesterday um, at a record store in Baltimore because we still believe in supporting you know mm-hmm. record stores because we want that. That's how you know the reason why also we were able to survive in the beginning is our friend Todd had a record store and he's like, I'll put your seven inch in the store and so where else are we going to do that you know Best mm. Buy is not going to put our 7 inch in their store so just to <laughs> help Best Buy do they even still sell <laughs> music I mean Best yeah. Buy Pacific sales you know, <laughs> even they're having problems with them. Um, <laughs> but really I mean we have Suncoast. to make, make sure or try to support you know yeah, I mean, the beginnings for a lot of you know artists that they don't know where to, where to put their physical product and it's just you know a shame that so many record stores are going out so Mm. my recommendation is that people actually go to a record store and buy uh you know someone's album if they want to support it's a classic move sure (laughs) and it's a way to meet people you know yeah get recommendations for other stuff yeah Yeah. like that that model was great you know and it sucks that Bring back Tower Records. Yeah, the the digital world kind of destroyed that for a lot of people. I mean, I learned about most of the bands that I like still love when I was in college from dudes at record stores or. Yeah, there'll be like a little paragraph handwritten about what they think of the album, and and you would listen to and you would read it because you're like somebody cared enough to to put this down and put this album up on the shelf, and it just you know. And there's just sort of transactional nature of it, like when you like go up to the counter and like put your stack of records down and they say, oh, if you like this, maybe you should check those them out. Or like there's, there's a communal aspect to that that I think is gone. Hmm. Brian, talk to me about this, uh, this latest album on the other side of a, 
of a dark period for you. And mm. of course, we get into this conversation with other people. What is it about the yin yang of creativity and, and darkness and this kind of being an an, an antidote to um, some of the burnout and the emotions that you had before? Well, it's just like we're in a situation where we get to have a lot of catharsis because you get to put a lot of turmoil and not even just turmoil, but just, you know, stuff that's on your mind and stuff, your, your inner feelings and stuff. And there's a place that you can put it and it's becoming more, I'm becoming more and more aware of how lucky that is that we're doing something that lets that happen and how uh, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to shed certain things and everybody sort of needs that opportunity and, mm. and that is super fascinating because once things kind of get out and get put down sometimes it is like lighting a little lantern and letting it fly away and I've always been curious what it would be like without that mm. you know how many fans come to you you talk about catharsis and this a lot uh, the Brian the patented cathartic whale I didn't know that was the thing the really. cathartic <laughs> whale at the end of, of Lazy know. Eye I didn't really or... think about it and I, I think we always try to swim in the subtlest water as possible like I also like that people don't really um, know exactly what things are about and I think that's very important because I think the way you, we, we never want to tell you how to access the song mm. or we don't want you to a common question we get asked a lot especially now with this record is what do you want people to take from this and I feel like that's not how we do things at all I really don't want to tell anybody how to take anything mm. you know I honestly want you to if you care enough to do it attach whatever it is that's in your life to it just because we created it and we use what we know doesn't mean that now this thing exists and once it lands in your hands, it's now a whole different animal. And I think it's crazy to tell them, no, <laughs> you're wrong. This is what it's about. I find that, for us, strange. And I get really excited. I'm excited is the wrong word, but it is touching that how often that's happened over the years. And now that we've been around for longer, it's a different sort of scene, yeah. which we're really trying to get used to. When you're new... Um, there's a certain excitement and a level and an interest because it's just like something different and this band's different. But when you've been a band that's been around and if you've listened to us since you were in school, you have a different relationship to us, you know? And that, we've realized that that's been happening and that's yeah. been shocking because we don't take ourselves very serious. We take our music very <coughs> serious. And well, take take this seriously by way of <laughs> by way of PDA before we get to your music. Your your canon, your body of work has been exceedingly meaningful to me. Has oh, gotten me through you. tough times, uh, fatherhood. I could always rely on oh. on certain songs. Your your crooning, your bass line. It just all came together beautifully. Oh, that's nice of uh, you to the say. The drums, the keyboards, everything. And um, I like to thank the acts that kind of uh, you know bring themselves down a little, come into our studios. But no, this, uh, is, this is coming from. A this place is, of it's love. Very and nice I'm, in here. I'm so grateful to you. You seen some of the places we've been in? <laughs> <laughs> this is like first class, dude. Full disclosure, We're our engine show here tonight. <laughs> yeah. 
Full disclosure, our engineer today was Jeff McManus. Special thanks to Kristen O'Connor at Rainmaker Studios. The Branching is shooting this doc. Allie and Lucas Cross. Jason Parks is director of photography. Props, too, to Isaac Whalen and Michael O'Connor. Um, I cannot thank you guys enough yeah, um, sweet. for coming out here. This is going to be beautiful. You did me a major. I hope this does you a major. What's your shirt about? Uh, this is the uh, I wrote a book about an infamous hotel in Miami that uh, inspired the movie Scarface and this is Whoa. the logo really yeah. I'll send you all That's copies of everything <laughs> but I would love to say it's my honor to say that the studio is now yours okay thank <laughs> you careful what you wish for <laughs> ready stop the season stop the state A plastic mic, a broken string of Infected wound from a rusted ring So what?
everything that is connected and beautiful And now I know just where I stand The seasons always shift too late Spent too much time now on that sideways It's everything that is connected and beautiful And now I know just where I stand Thank God it's over
it for? Should I hit the deck, fall through the floor? Don't know what you're thinking of, or chip away or keep defenses up. Don't make a sound, gets too loud. Hear me come, gets too loud, gets too loud, yeah. Don't know what you're gonna for. Should I hit the deck, fall through fall the floor? Through the floor. Chip away or keep defenses up Don't make a sound If it gets too loud Would you hear me come around? Hear me come around Hear me come around I can see now You wanted to play Hurry back I think they're closing the gate But I fear It's just a moment too late Cool. That's been a while since we Come and go, we know Wonder if we're not alone, we're alone Think about us all the time, don't Because it doesn't matter why we're known We're just known We're just known
was found again Pictures on the floor Sketches and what was there before Three came from one little seed The last one is all I need well, I could see the bottle on the ground we turn the corner safe and sound No thought of him as it was done Clean execution Clean execution Cool like the ocean a summer home fooled by the notion that the sums don't add up at 
was a line that is leading, clearly feeding all the things I wouldn't believe in. But I'll step in once again. Cut a line to get closer to the source of all the things I didn't belong to. Step it up and sign right again. summer home Fooled by the notion that the sums don't add up at all Cool like the ocean Burn like a summer home by the notion that the suns don't add up at all that the suns don't add up at all that the suns don't add up at all Did it.